G'day and welcome to episode 78 Yeah, of the Bloke Box. And you're back! 13 goals straight, 78. <laughs> you're back for this one! Yes, I am. Yeah. You went I did solo a, last I went solo, time. yeah. What's going on there? Oh, I just had a few things I needed to get off my chest, oh, you know. I, th- I might um, need to do the uh, Jason Alexander in the first season of Seinfeld. Have it written into my contract that I'm never left out of an episode ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might not happen. <laughs> Yes. So we're back. We're approaching the halfway mark of the AFL season. So We are, yes. Hence the uh, 13 goals straight. We thought perhaps there's a few things we'd like to point out. But there's one thing I'd like to start with, Mr. Jamison. That is the AFL. Your fixturing is a fucking joke. <laughs> I was at the Free on Richmond game on Friday night. Well, yeah, you, you're actually getting me to something too, but I'll let you uh, go. Round 10, Free on Richmond. Good to see so I was looking through the uh, the fixtures for the next th- few weeks, and I came across round 17. Richmond Frio. It's an 18-team competition! How can two sides be playing off twice in eight weeks? Well, I think the Eagles... It doesn't make sense! About three or four years ago, from memory, uh, the Eagles played out of Adelaide, yeah, twice in twice seven, I think. Yeah. yeah. But it's insane! Now, granted... I'm already pissed off because they've moved away from the whole you play every team once before you play another team twice. Which is would be the most logical way to run out. And it's the way they always used to do it too. Yeah. So they can't even say, oh, we've never done it that way. They used to do it correctly and now they don't. But this idea that in an 18-team competition where there are 17 different opponents for you to play, that it's okay for you to be playing someone twice in an eight-week period, that is ridiculous. Just yeah. crazy. Well, I've got the other one is that Richmond get to come off a bye and play the Eagles in Melbourne off back-to-back six-day breaks. Tell me that's not half. Yeah. Yeah. I, just for the record right now, if you tip the Eagles in that game, you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, Mind I'm you, like... this is the same guy who tipped against them against Geelong, who tipped against yeah. them against GWS, who's been... Tipping against them professionally all year and getting everyone wrong, so you might not be yeah, it might not be too wise to take his advice, as I have learned this season. I'm still pissed off about that GWS tip. You sold me up the creek just, on that just, one. Just, just quietly though, the uh, the Golden State to win the NBA championship's not looking too it's bad. Looking good. That was Despite, oh, at that time. Cleveland. At the time, that was incredibly bold. They were like on the ninth oh, line man. of betting. William knows 20 how bold plus, it was. Twenty plus to one at that stage. Jeez. And I remember Should talking that. talking yeah, talking to two people who follow the basketball saying that I put that on record and they said to me, What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Are you kidding? He said, No, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Well, they the, were wrong, and, weren't they, William? Yeah, with the Anthony Davis for MVP, he finished fifth, but it wasn't that wasn't a bad pick either since he had the fourth highest player efficiency rating of all time. Of all time! Well, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the cute cards are working. So, Billy agrees. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I have to say that I just don't get the AFL fish. I mean, I I don't know if we've talked about the uh, the what? Carlton Friday night games oh, on this thing no, either. Yeah. But oh, yeah, just, we'll look we'll, we'll forward yeah. to Richmond. I think Richmond have got like uh, well after Friday as well, but they, Friday and then I think they've got five of the next six or seven. Coming oh, up. Yeah. So, and also the one of the one of the games I'm really looking forward to this season, Adelaide versus Hawthorne. Yeah. Let's put that on a Thursday night. Fuck! What is this obsession with Thursday night fixtures during the bye rounds? 
I've already had to take the day off work so I can make it to the Frio Collingwood game in time after work on a Thursday. As I did last year, I seem to recall, when they were yes. playing Carlton. But, uh, there's just so much wrong with the fixture. And, like, I can understand, like, the commentary, some of the other things that we rail against the AFL about. Some of them you can sort of understand how they've happened. But the fixturing is just inexcusable. You just get it right. As, yeah. a, as a competent sporting organisation, you just get the fixturing right. It's just it's a it's a hygiene factor. Well, they they are planning to try and move to a seventeen five fixture next year. Well, good. They need to but desperately. The, yeah, but the problem is is that the way that they're trying to do it is you play the the teams that finish. If you finish sixth, you're playing the teams one through five for positioning in the finals. Mm. So don't finish sixth this year, teams. That's our PSA. Well, <laughs> don't be a dick and don't finish sixth. No, but this is due, they're going to do a rolling fixture during the oh, year. Oh, God. Which is even worse. Oh, man. Yeah. So don't sit sixth then. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually don't mind what they do at the moment, but I mean... No, but there's, there's, there's no, 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 things like this. Sorry, let, you... me, let me rephrase that. In terms of how they pick the double-ups? Yeah. But... What you've said, yeah, I agree, is, is that come round 17, you should know who's good and who's not, because yeah. everybody's played each other once. The idea that you can play teams twice before you've played other teams at all, that in and of itself is ridiculous. And then having two teams like play off twice in a two-month period, that's absurd. Yeah. And the other one, which you reminded me of with the West Coast one, is it's very simple. Six teams have the bye each week. Yeah. The following week... Those six teams should be playing off against each other. Yeah, absolutely. You should not have teams coming off the bye versus teams coming off a week of playing. All the teams who have the bye one week should all be playing against each other in three games the following week. Yeah. Simple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get on to that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll drop a fixture. Gil, check yeah. your emails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gil, Gil, we know you're doing Yeah, Gil, turn your computer on. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's that's the tab button, Gil. <laughs> you want the power button. <laughs> oh, All right, we're going to have to go help him with this. Yeah. So, Dan, uh, being a Hawthorne supporter and all, uh, how, how, how do you feel about being branded a racist? Oh, yeah, thanks, Slobo. Yeah, couldn't, we couldn't cost, possibly be booing Adam Goods just because he's an arrogant tosspot who does war dances. No, it's definitely because he's Indigenous. That's definitely yeah. the reason why. Because God knows, you know, all Hawthorne fans just hate Suarioli, don't they? Yeah. They think he's an absolute prick. Yeah, they, like, they, they, they never they... cheer him at all. Jeez, I hated Buddy Franklin. Yeah, exactly. They well. never took him. You know, one, two premierships. And... Yeah. No, nah, he's just a wanker. Yeah. Yeah. No. Brad, Brad Hill. You're yeah. not a fan of... You hate Brad Hill. Oh, we do. Yeah. yeah. All, all the Indigenous players who played for us, we boo them all. Yeah. And we boo all the other Indigenous players in the league. Just just think about all the Indigenous yeah. players out there. Yeah, they all get booed as much as Adam Goods, don't they? Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. No. No, no they don't. Hmm. Yeah. Something's not right there. I mean, it's... Slobo, you're a dickhead. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, yeah, that goes without saying. But yeah. I think that the, the fact that they still play this card and I, I, the war chant thing... I... Yeah, yeah you've, you've played the race card and William's arcing up already. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to play it. It's the, the Geno's yeah. play it. Yeah. And it pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as you say, it can't be the fact that... We'll be, oh, maybe you should just shut yeah. up for a minute. Yeah. Let speak. William take this one. Yeah. He's, he's on point. Yeah. <laughs> I remember an incident at an Eagles game in 2008. Adam Selwood was going for the ball right in front of me. Right in front of me! <laughs> Head down. Adam Goods went straight through him. Yeah. And I at remember the time, this one. Yeah. And at the time, I remember Daniel Kerr 
charged him and was going him in his face big time. Yeah. I also remember Adam Goods getting zero weeks yeah. for that. No suspension. Um, he tried to forcibly remove Selwood's head with his hip, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the classic thing at the time. I remember turning to my dad and saying, that's a pretty dog act to do. Yeah. Um, he also had that one where he Because he up. could have very easily have backed out of that. Yeah. There was the incident, I think it was against Richmond, where he led with two feet. Yep. Yeah, which if you Straight did that... to someone's back. Yeah, which if you did that on an EPL field, you'd either be getting sent off by the referee or sent off by the other players. Yeah, with a broken on a lead. stretcher. Yeah. Um... There was also the one against Hawthorne where he tripped that player up. The old, the old muscle memory. I think uh, that was Josh Gibson, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, another Indigenous player who all Hawthorne fans hate, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, pretty shown, mate. Is isn't Aboriginal. No. <laughs> they didn't really seal the deal. <laughs> I was going to say, then you would be branded a racist. Yeah. Oh um, man, but just yeah, I. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a saint when it comes to this thing. I've probably yeah. got a lot. I could be a lot more sensitive in terms of a lot of the race issues. But to be branded a racist like that yeah, because cool. I'm booing someone who's just an arrogant tool. Well, can you can you guarantee that 100 percent of that booing was not race related? No, no, you can't. absolutely. But and you, anyone who says it's on. completely not race yeah. is also an idiot. But That's to sit right. there and say, oh, the only reason it's happening is because he's indigenous. Yeah. I mean, well, to, to quote Nathan Buckley to Robbo, it's lazy journalism. <laughs> <laughs> and Brendan Goddard took him to task as well, which I was very nice. surprised at. Yeah. yeah, well, it's good. When to you're see. getting when you're getting your ass handed to you by Brendan Goddard, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Goddard, no. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah. but I mean, the... and I'm sure it had something to do with it being the indigenous round as well. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, we'll we'll play this card in the indigenous Can, round. I, I just want to, I my comment about the war dance thing that I I made the other day to uh, to another person. I said that might have been William from the sounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, William's heard me say this as well. Adam Goods has been striving for his Nicky Winmar moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. yeah. I said this to, to the person and their comment back to me straight away was, I'd never thought about it like that, but mm. that's exactly right. Yeah. Is it, I get, and I mean, that's, that's the impression I get with him is just that he's just trying too hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then, of course, Michael Johnson, who's one of the most humble, softly spoken, understated players, the idea that he came out that week saying, Oh, if I had kicked a goal in Indigenous round, I would have done the exact same thing. I nearly fell off my chair laughing when I heard that. Yeah, yeah Johnson, of course you would have, because that's that's who you are as a player. You you could definitely, I could definitely see you doing a war dance towards opposing team supporters. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, that's that's the other thing that I don't get is that look, whether it, I, I'm not going to get into the whole legitimacy of the war dance thing, but if you're doing if you're doing anything that has the potential to incite the crowd. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're a, well, I read yeah. a letter to the editor which put it much simpler. It's like a simple question for Adam Goods. Who are you at war with? Yeah. Mm. He's at war with himself, I yeah, think. Yeah, I believe so. And he's, William he's certainly a, He's at war with, with his that. ego or with, with the location of his yeah. head at the moment. Well, maybe? if he's at war with his ego, then that's a pretty tough opponent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. What, are, what are your today? thoughts? 
He's not. He's not a big Adam Goods no, fan. No, obviously. Robbo's branded him a racist oh, dog, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did say that was a dog act. Yeah. yeah, it was a dog act, wasn't well, we're it? We're gonna have to calm William down, I think. <laughs> not a not not a fan at all. No. I've trained you well. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, settle down, settle down. Let's go. Alright, let's go. Jeez, the number of players I've broken this year in AFL fantasy, it's getting beyond a joke. The most recent of them, beyond a joke even. I'm dropping D's off words at random. Yeah. Beyond William's, joke. William's calling me a task on my elocution right now. But, um, you Devin Smith. Elocution or not you? <laughs> that too, yeah. Electrocution. <laughs> Billy, let daddy speak. Alright, Devin Smith. Five. <laughs> 500 plus scores in a row. William's just providing the backing to my whinging here. 500 plus scores in a row. I bring him in. Boom. 52. Tom Rockcliffe, captain in round one. I bring him in. Boom. Broken ribs. 78 or whatever it was. And that was after a quarter and a bit. Three and a bit quarters, I think he played. Yeah, anyway. No, no, it was in the second quarter. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Anyway, anyway. Point is, breaking players. So, Luke Hodge, I bring him in, boom, suspended for three weeks. Elliot Yo, I bring him in, boom, suspended for a week. Thanks, AFL. Yeah, exactly. Can I get, I'll go into that later. That was the, a ridiculous decision the, the anyway. The number of players I have brought in. Oh, and then at the same time, Elliot Yo, in for Nathan Van Burlo. Nathan Van Burlo next week, boom, 100 odd. His top score for about five weeks. Five years, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Marcus Bontempelli, bring him in after those first two killer weeks. He had one good week for me, and then since then has shat the bed and is now injured. The number of players this year I have brought in just instantaneously going to crap. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I could add a couple to the list. Jake Kelly. Oh, Mr. 18. <laughs> oh, God, Jake Kelly. I bought Bont in when you did. I bought in Yo when you did. I bought Tommy Rockliffe straight back in as captain. Yeah. One week, boom, broken ribs. Yeah. Um, who, have I tried to, who have I tried to break this week? Um, I think the two I bought in this week have actually done okay. Well, I'd, so. I, was, I was reasonably happy this week because I bought in Brooksby for Bell Chambers. So, yeah. granted... Yeah. When I say he scored 24 more points, it's a bit disappointing when it's a 53 compared to a 29, but still, Bell Chambers did have to go. I think I'd just broken him all year long. Yeah. So you're yeah. saying I should keep him next week? I think he'll get dropped next week somehow. Oh, he's apparently I got a carpentry uh, as well. I think Bell Chambers to Cruz is going to be a very popular oh, yeah. move, just quietly. Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, oh, and, I, brought uh, this in, is also... I brought in Mickey Barlow and Mitch Wallace this week, and they've both done okay. So okay. I've done all right. Yeah. But before that, I my uh, my ins weren't much better. Yeah. No, I did also bring in uh, Barlow. He gave me one good week as captain with 140 odd against Geelong. Then the next two weeks put together failed a ton. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't too good either. Um, David Mundy. That's another one. I brought him in, yeah. and made him captain. Boom, 67. Rory Sloan brought him in, made him captain. Boom, consecutive scores in the 60s. The number of players I've done it to. It's quite infuriating. So, so uh, this is also a public service announcement to steal side bottom. I've brought you in and made you captain. So on Monday before that Queen's birthday clash, just 
you might want to, uh, yeah, throw some salt over your left shoulder. Um, avoid any black cats or walking under ladders. Uh, avoid breaking any mirrors. Do whatever else you can in order to give yourself some good luck because there's every chance that you, sir, are going to be a spectacular failure this week. Maybe you need to start tweeting in your movies. <laughs> yeah, players. as a public service. That's, yeah, we, we, that's part of their uh, new con- uh, players, yeah, AFL players agreement. Yeah. Is that, yeah, Dan Jackson gives us written notification of who he's trading in each week. <laughs> yes. No, but I must say the, um, the side bottom trade was actually inspired by your story a couple of years ago where you were yeah. like 360 points behind with side bottom as captain and one player left to play. And you ended up yeah. winning by about 30 points from memory. Yeah, I think so. he, went for, he went for very high 140. Yeah. And I was therefore referring to my team as the men, the men of, of steel. steel. Yeah, so that's, that's <laughs> purely why I brought him in this week. But yeah. So please, stop me from destroying another player, Steel. Tear it up against Melbourne. Another big uh, shout-out and serve combination here. Mr. Adam Voges, you champion. Outstanding. On a pitch where no one else made made more than 50 runs. Oh, until, yeah, until the Windies in that second innings. But at the time, I think when he got past 40 in the first innings, he was already the top scorer for the match. To go through and make 130 not out, be the outstanding batting performance of the match... Become Australia's oldest ever debut Test centurion. Yeah, Dave, the highest, the highest ever. He yeah. beat Dave Houghton by about fifty days apparently. Yeah. Yep. But double shout out to the tail for hanging around. Yeah. Josh Hazelwood, Hazelwood in particular, second best score. And uh, yeah, and it's, and here's the first part of my serve then to Mitch Stark, mate. When you're batting at number nine in a Test match and you're in that situation. Don't come out and slog your second ball and get bowled. You'll find yourself bumped down to number 11 pretty fucking quickly if you keep that up. Well, I think they said Josh Hazelwood's average at the moment is 72. Damn. <laughs> and not his bowling average. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's well, that'd be down too. Yeah. Uh, two for 16 in the second innings. Yeah, but... and three for 34 in the first. Yeah. But um, the serve then. The early edition of the West Australian, which I brought on Friday night, bought on Friday night after the football. Who are we going to put on the front page, uh, on the back page? Hmm, Adam Voges just put in one of the all-time great debut performances. Pretty much single-handedly won us a test match. Will we put that on the back page? No, let's go with Eagles flying high and a story about how they'll be getting Jack Darling back in the side two weeks from now. Who gives a shit? Seriously, West Australian, take a long, hard look at yourselves. Voges should have been on that back page. Very disappointed. Just quietly, I think Jack Darling might play on Saturday night. On Saturday afternoon, maybe even. Yeah. He kicked, five, yeah, kicked he... five yesterday. He struggled a little bit, but he worked his way into the game. Yeah. He seemed to run it out good enough. So. But, you, but you do see what I mean. His yeah. imminent, imminent return like <sighs> in two rounds' time gets on the back page ahead of Adam Voges making a 130 not out on debut. Disappointing West Australian. Yeah. I expect better if than If it that. doesn't happen on free-to-air, it obviously doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, very true. So, while we're on the subject, I've got a bit of a, uh, a, a dance hot tips. Having, having last night at the end of the second set of the women's final predicted correctly, uh, Safarova will win the next two games and then Serena will rattle off the last six, exactly as it happened. I woke up this morning... 
and uh, w- walked downstairs and Timbo was like, oh, by the way, you called that third set to perfection. <laughs> exactly correct. So she always does that. Yeah, exactly. William knows how predictable she is. Loses the second set, drops the first couple of games of the third, and then afterburners. Yeah, no, I had enough of this. Yeah. Yeah. Another hot tip. Um, England. A team we have not beaten away from home since 2001. Currently paying $4.25 to regain the Ashes this year. What? Get on board. $4.25? Get on board. We have not beaten them over in the UK since 2001. We will be landing in England, I think, nine days before the Test Series starts, having just spent a two-Test Series over in the Windies playing on low, slow-turning pitches with about as much life as... Well, I was going to say about as much life as Richie Benno these days. That, that may have been slightly poor taste. But anyway, my point is that we're playing one warm-up match over there. A lot of these guys would have played no red ball cricket with the exception of the West Indies since the last test summer in Australia, whereas England will have been playing warm-up matches galore and also have had New Zealand over for a test series beforehand. I just think there's every chance we'll get rolled on the first morning. Well, and there's every chance that at some stage during this series we'll be 4 for 50. Yeah. And I'm also deeply, <laughs> deeply concerned that we're, uh, we're putting ourselves in a position to not pick Ryan Harris. Oh, we'll pick Ryan Harris. Oh, he... I, I... So I was just saying, I'm, I'm a bit concerned they're not going to pick Ryan Harris at the moment because, well, Hazelwood picks himself on current form mm. and I, I think they're too stupid to not pick Stark and Johnson at the moment. Uh, I think they pick Harris. I think, yeah, I hope they do. If they're, if, if they're not the Suey, because Harris yeah. should be the first guy they pick. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you talk about and Johnson. I, and I say that ahead of Clark, ahead of Warner, ahead of... Smith, Smith maybe. Yeah, Smith maybe on par yeah. with him, but... Yeah, I mean, if you look at that last series, the single fucking reason we lost that test series was because we didn't play Ryan Harris in the first test. Everyone talks about, no, oh, but Agar scored his 99 in that. And I was like, who gives a shit? The way Ryan bowled that whole series, he could have taken five for 20 on the first day and it would have been all over. Yeah. Like, he, his top order bowling was just sublime all series long. And look, the, uh, the other thing that you have to take into account with these things as well is, is that, look, he might not play all five tests because it's a struggle yeah. for him to get up back to back. But so be it. Look, if he plays three, if he plays four, I think we'll be all right. Yeah. But if he if he plays, and you know that's the thing. If you think that the selectors are, are heading that way with their thinking, it's which concern. is probably which is which is a legitimate concern, I think. Mm. Um, then um, yeah, that four thirty becomes uh, <laughs> that four thirty becomes yeah, a lot more. Yeah, exciting. true. Good point. Yeah, the old hedge by betting against your team. Reference the group match against New Zealand <laughs> this year, right? Yeah. P- picked up a tidy 300 bucks or whatever it was. Yeah, $2.40 they were paying. Never, you never <laughs> underestimate the parochialism of Australians. And if you can yeah. if you can capitalise on that financially, then... Yeah. The and you often can. parochialism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, got, you often can. The odds are often very, very enticing the other way. Yeah. Because, yes, for some reason, the Aussie teams generally get backed in more so. But... 
No, I, 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 I think the batting's still a legitimate worry, especially if they, Smith especially, if it's a, especially if it's overcast and it's a bit of a green top, hmm. and we're sending which, to bat. let's face it, it's England, so yeah. <laughs> it will be. Yeah, I mean, do they? It's an interesting challenge. to the way that England go about it is, do they, in terms of the curation process here, mm. what do they? What do they think is their best chance of beating Australia? Because last time they tailored it for. Um, Graham Swan and it won them the series. Yeah. Whereas this time you'd have to say, well, what, Moeen Ali versus Nathan Lyon. I think the Aussies have backed themselves in there. Yeah. And Ryan Hazelwood and one left armour named Mitchell versus uh, Broad Anderson and the third guy. Yeah. You'd have to say the Aussies have backed themselves in there as well. But yeah, the the, the reality is, is that they might, they probably back themselves in with their batting. Yeah. And you know, as you as you quite rightly pointed out, the advantage that they've had of playing two games on those surfaces. Yeah, around. I just I think it's so stupid the way these tours get scheduled with absolutely no warm up games over there. I think we are we are literally in the West Indies like less than two weeks before the Test series starts in England. Yeah, we come over and we play one warm up game from memory, and that's it. Like, but guys, I mean, do you not realise how specific English conditions are? And this, and people wonder why all the away teams struggle to yeah. win at the moment. Is that it's that's the the whole part of it? It's like, oh well, you know, nothing beats playing in the conditions. Sure, you might be able to replicate the pitch, but can you rep- replicate what's happening above the pitch? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm not happy about it. So, and and for me, the biggest thing, all I keep coming back to, is. The last time that we won a series in England was 2001. Mm. You know, you, there's no substitute for, for, you know, for having a, a winning record over in a place. I mean, look at how much we struggled to win in India. Even when we had an amazing team, mm. we couldn't get it done. I mean, 2001, <laughs> yeah. interesting that I bring that up. You know, we, we still couldn't get it done that year with arguably the best test side of all time. Um, of all time, <laughs> you. you nearly missed your cue, but you <laughs> snuck it in there just in time. Um, and I, yeah, I just look at that record and I think, you know, the the Poms are are very comfortable in their ability to beat us over there. That that and the fact that we didn't even we weren't even good enough to take a test off them in the last series. Yeah. Again, reference the not playing Rhino and Lion in the first yeah. test. I mean, were they playing the long game there? Mm. I don't. I, I don't know if you have you read Whitewash to Whitewash yet. No, I haven't. No, okay. Yeah, I, I get the impression that they'll play. I mean, you, you've got to think a bit. You can say they're playing the long game all you want, but the fact is not picking Rhino and Lyon in that first test remains the worst selection I have seen in my life outside of Glenn Maxwell getting picked to bat at number three. Just ridiculous selections. Yeah, uh, yeah I won't argue with that, but I guess you've got to take into account before that last series they changed the coach only a couple of weeks out. Mm. So... They might not have been in the right mental state, yeah. but but, but, I mean, I, but my, but, my well, concern is still with the batting. Look, I, I think our bowling attack is better than their bowling attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that they provided have, we pick Rhino. <laughs> yeah, but I think that they have the ability to to potentially blunt our attack better than we have the ability to. Yeah, and to I mean that's us. my concern. I I still, despite the result in the West Indies in the first test, I still don't think you can pick Stark and Johnson in the same side. Yeah. I think the potential for disaster yeah. there is is so great. I mean, if both That's... of those guys don't fire, 
then yeah. you're putting a hell of a lot of pressure on Hazelwood and Lyon, yeah. one of whom is too young to have that sort of pressure on him and the other of whom is not a strong enough bowler to really um, have yeah. that much on him. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, I just look at the two of them and I just think they're both too... Despite Johnson's uh, Indian summer, I still think they're both too erratic and too inconsistent to, to bat them both in, in long-form cricket. I think that's uh, very fair. Mm. Yeah, uh, and and look, I'd and I'd pick um, I'd pick Johnson over Stark. Oh yeah, absolutely. just because I, I think he's already in England's head before the games even yeah, start. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing is if you look at the the mental factor, then if you pick Harris, you're picking the guy who absolutely tormented them the last summer over there. Yeah. You pick Johnson, you're picking the last the guy who absolutely tormented them the last summer over here. So straight away, in terms of the uh, the mental side of things, you've got the edge on them, I think. And then I reckon, I mean, Dan Bredig wrote a really good. Speaking of uh, Dan Bredig, the whitewash yeah. to whitewash, he wrote a really good article during the week about how the McGrath comparisons for Hazelwood are starting to just um, convert from hyperbole into fact. Mm. The fa- I mean, his bowling in that first innings uh, in the West Indies was McGrath-esque. It was that short of a length with steepling bounce where batsmen are unsure whether to move backwards or forwards and just end up with the tentative prods outside off stump. I mean, that's McGraw 101. And I think he's really he's going bit, to enjoy bowling over there. And he's a bit nippier too, which is the other thing. Yeah. I've, I've always been a big fan of his for the for the long game. Yeah. Not so. I mean, similar to McGraw in the short game, he can be exploited because of that predictability. Yeah. Ding dong. What was there you that? go. <laughs> yeah, someone Somebody, agrees with you. <laughs> yeah, right. I think Glenn McGrath just, just, uh, just signed in there. Just got an email. Yeah. Josh Hazelwood likes this. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Um, yeah. Are we followers, you now? <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah. No, I, I think um, I think this is potentially a breakout series for him. Yeah. And I think it couldn't come at a better time with Rhino in his last series. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is mentally. I think that Clark will retire if we win. I yeah. think Haddam will definitely retire. Rogers is definitely retiring. Rhino is definitely retiring. I question whether Watto would continue if we won the Ashes over there. So well, I question these... whether Watto will be a walk-up start. Yeah. A lot of these guys, you have to just look at them and say, how will this, you know, knowing that it's their last series probably, mm. how will that impact their performances? And, I mean, the Watto point's a very interesting one now because with just making this century... And he's, he was only in the side because Rogers got hit in the head yep. 24 hours before the test match. Mm. So we're going to see something very interesting for the second test is, who do you drop? Well, he's still showing signs of concussion symptoms, mm. apparently, so he might so not he might still not. even yeah. play in this game. But, yeah. but I, I mean, would say that Sean, Sean Marsh would probably get dropped. Yeah, but, I mean, that's pretty... He made a 99 in the last test look, last think, summer, and he made a century in the warm-up game. Over yeah, there. look, I... The th- I was actually going to ask you about this Steve Smith to three thing as well. Personally, I, I... You prefer having him down the bottom where he can save us from a three for 20? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, this whole why break something that's, you know, that's working for why you... Why change a winning formula? Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah. the exact reason everybody uses for Mark, Michael Clark not batting higher up the order. Yeah. I think the difference is, is that Steve will embrace... Embraces yeah. that type of challenge, but I I don't know. I I think his he, his technique works better in the middle order. I and know. I mean, you look at 
the way Steve Waugh and Alan Border used to come in at five. And I mean, Steve yeah. Waugh, one of the things I remember about him so much was saying, I preferred to come in at three for 30 versus three for 300. Yeah. Like he actually embraced that, you know, that tough situation, that backs to the wall, um, you know, scenario. Yeah. I think Steve Smith at the moment is, he's, he's everything to everyone. <laughs> Basically yeah. he's, 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 he's clearly the, he's the new Alan Border and that our batting pretty much, um, you know, sits on how he performs. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having him, out there potentially from the second ball of the innings when the ball's at its best, when the fast balls are at their freshest and when the conditions are most conducive to swing and seam. Mm. I mean, I, I back him in still. Yeah. but I mean, the face is Border probably did his best batting in his career when he was actually batting at three. That's, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and, it, and there was a good reason for that. There's, the team was an absolute rabble during those years. Yeah, it was before um, we had Booney at three. Well, Dean Jones to begin with, and then yeah. Boone dropped down into that position later on in his career after mm. opening. But um, I mean, to, to me, it, it's almost the old you play your best batsman at three. Well, it makes sense then, but as you say, I, I, always, mean, I, you like... play, I always believed you played your best batsman at four. Mm. It's not the Adage, though, is it? No, <laughs> it's I that's the thing, I, I always. Reckons you played your best grafter at three and your best bat. Don Bradman dislikes this. <laughs> I'm sure he does. But Bradman didn't always bat at three either, though, so. Oh, he probably he would have batted most of his though. career there, but towards yeah. the end of his career, he was a bit further down the order. But yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think, I think, that, it, I, I think that's Marsh's spot, ideally. Yeah. And that's and that's, as you say, that's why I, the, the comment about Watto not being in the team, it's not that I think that. Um, Mitch Martin necessarily getting ahead of him. I think the Voges, mm. if you've if you've got the you, you've got your Warner and your Rogers, and you've got Marsh, Smith, Clark, Voges, I think that you you have a lot more steel in your team. Yeah, and oh, and let's face it. I mean, as much as I am a fan of Watto's bowling, his batting hasn't been up to scratch for about three or four years now. Yeah. No, Ever since he was opening and scoring 90s every second match. Yeah. Um, you know, he hasn't cut it. And the only thing that's getting him a spot at the moment is his bowling. Granted, I'm a huge fan of his bowling, I think particularly in English conditions. Yeah. But when you've got blokes like Mitch Marsh, Steve is, Smith, Michael Clark, and Adam Voges, all of whom can offer you a bit with the ball, yeah. it becomes more that, difficult to make that, that argument. I, whilst I agree with that, the thing that worries me about what I was is that he does seem to have lost 5 or 10k in the last year or so as well. Mm. And that, whilst that's not always a bad thing for a swing ball. I though. know, but the swinging it. There's a big difference between swinging it at one thirty and swinging it at one twenty. Mm. And he's he's more towards the the lower end than the upper end these days. And yeah, yeah. But still, I think right now I view this series as very much fifty fifty, maybe fifty five forty five in Australia's favour, but certainly. Uh, not enough to yeah. warrant four twenty-five odds. Well, c- certainly not. Uh, what would be eighty twenty would be what the yeah, would be better than eighty twenty yeah. would be what the odds are suggesting. No, so, I yeah. don't agree with that at all. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, Wednesday eighth of July, lock it in. It's going to be awesome. Guess who I'm going to rant about? Um. I'm not sure, actually. One Edward Maguire. Oh, okay. Yeah, in... I probably should have known that. Yeah. Actually, the first name that came to mind was Kevin Sheedy. And I was like, yeah. no, nah, he's not relevant enough to yeah. <laughs> earn GJ's ire no. these days. Eddie Maguire. Now, 
you wouldn't have seen this because you're putting you the eye in Eddie McGuire. No, he put it there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reinforcing what it, yeah. the one. Um, you wouldn't have seen this because you were out, you would have been out the game. Basically, after the game on the weekend, it, on the Friday, on Friday night, yeah. Eddie McGuire was basically commentating. was made the comment during the game that the commentating was too biased towards oh, Fremantle. For fuck's sake. Then kettle black. Yeah, I I had the misfortune of turning the Carlton Adelaide game on yesterday, where it seemed like Eddie was coating the walls every time Carlton kicked a goal. Eddie, Eddie, as Mister Jackson quite rightly pointed out here, pot kettle black. Yeah. Eddie, shut the fuck up. Yeah, of the shut of all the, the fuck up. Of all the things you are not qualified to criticise about. Of which there are plenty. Yeah, this is true. Race relations, for instance. (laughs) King Kong (laughs) says g'day. Yeah. Um, Look, I've always been... I certainly don't dislike Eddie as much as you do. I've always been a bit of a... I don't really mind Eddie as much. I know he gets a lot of people's goats, but the one thing he has absolutely no leg to stand on whatsoever is bias commentary. And I think... We were talking about this on the weekend, actually. I think, yeah, with the archers, and I was saying if I was if I was being paid to commentate, then I would always just rule myself out of games where Hawthorne were playing or games where the Australian cricket team were playing, mm. because I would just know I would be so invested in it that I would not be able to maintain my impartiality. Yeah, if that's how that word is pronounced, impartiality. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that, how yeah, that's yeah. It sounds really. Well, weird I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I know it's yeah. a word you probably don't use very <laughs> yeah, often. Exactly, but it's about acknowledging the fact that no, I'm too, I'm too biased. I'm too invested in this to be able to call it fairly and even-handedly. You know, the same reason why Ian Healy shouldn't be allowed to come. Well, there's a few of them, but yeah. Well, Michael Slater in any game that Dave Waters playing. playing. Yeah. Davy, sorry, yeah, <laughs> but uh, old Davy Crocker. Um, look, I I think that that is a just a fundamental like a one hundred and one of commentating is that mm. you you should not be calling games where you're not unbiased. Mm. Wait, wait, yeah. <laughs> double negative. Yeah, I think that's right. No, no I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I and I think. Of all the things you can criticise Eddie Maguire for, that one to me stands alone was the fact that he used to call Collingwood games back when he was on Channel 9. And I mean, I know a few... I think Tim Lane yeah. refused to be a part of the, the broadcast team because because of that fact. Yes, correct. Um, I think there are... A lot well, of things, you, a lot of a lot of easy pot shots you can take at Eddie Maguire, but that one has never been satisfactorily resolved. I, the only me. thing I did like about the commentary, I ended up putting it on mute <laughs> and then turning it over to watch the waffle. But Katy uh, Perry style, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Jonathan Brown called you out. Wow. Yeah. J bro. Yeah. The debutante. A, a bit too much Carlton love in this commentary box. Oh, oh. it's a phrase to use. Oh. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eddie, like, you know when you get called out by the rookie. Oh, I'm surprised mm. that Eddie didn't shut up for 15 minutes but, after that because I thought of Jonathan Brown pounding you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Eddie might like that, but yeah, not that kind of pounding. Yeah. But but that's the thing. I actually think if Eddie's impartial, he's actually a decent caller. Like that's yeah. the thing. You compare him to like Luke Darso and Hamish McLaughlin and Basil Zemples, a lot of the other guys out there. Eddie's probably a you know a better call than a lot of those guys. 
But I think sometimes, like, I know the St. Kilda Frio game last year when St. Kilda won, he was doing the exact same thing. He was yeah. che- he was practically cheering St. Well, Kilda he, he's, he, Yeah, he, he, he cheers all the Victorian clubs yeah. over the interstate clubs. Yeah. There's a, and he's always done that. Carlton and the Eagles last year, he was exactly the yeah. same. It's, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I just want to know how this guy gets so much oxygen. He's got a lot of money. Hmm. I remember. I think his... he's got a lot of dirt more so than a lot of money. Well, at his 40th birthday, I remember Trevor Marmalade walked up to the mayor of Victoria, uh, the the premier of, of Victoria, and said, "So, how does it feel to be in the same room as the most powerful man in Victoria?" <laughs> Which yeah. I think is is you know it's not far from the truth, really. Yeah. Eddie has a lot of sway yeah. over there. So. It shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, swaying in the breeze. It's, Eddie. Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> To put that into perspective, Mark Robinson has a lot of sway too. God. The uh, the Hawthorne branding racist. Slobo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting to see James Hurd's team not kicking a goal for the entire first half last night. That was be awesome. I was spraying the walls when that was happening. Uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how Slobo responds to that. Because, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, there's it a couldn't happen to a more deserving bunch of drug there's, Yeah, there's a fantastic... Uh, uh, Bigfoot, we we spruik Bigfooty a lot. There's a fantastic Bigfooty uh, thread that's just started up. Is people commenting on the reasons why Swabo has blocked them on Twitter, <laughs> and some of them are gone. Like one person wrote to him that he posted up a new article, and he asked him if James Heard had read it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he helped him with the the verbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just stuff like that. It's it's absolute gold. So, I think it should be our goal to get blocked by Slobo. Yeah, top stuff. We'll get get right on to that now. (laughs) But, yeah, Eddie McGuire, you suck. Case closed. I just want to quickly talk about the Elliot Yo suspension for a couple of weeks ago for his late collision with Jimmy Webbs. I can understand why it was something that went to the tribunal. Now, it, I think that this whole thing highlights the inconsistencies that exist within the tribunal itself. On the very same weekend, Sam Mitchell hits Tom Mitchell off the ball, gets him gets him fair in the jaw, gets a thousand dollar fine. Jared McVeigh tackles, in inverted commas, of course, Will Langford with the ball. 20 metres away, well at least that's what the report said, and you know, wax him hard, no case to answer Elliot Yo makes a, a contest for the ball, the, the same type of thing that we see probably, you know, 30 or 40 times over the course of any particular given round he's a little bit late to get to the contest we've seen several instances of it earlier in the year, Jared Waite just the week before went in knees up, got fined Elliot Yo gets two weeks down to one, purely on the back essentially of the medical report that's come from St Kilda, which meant that it was assessed as medium contact. Now, look, I'm I'm fine with them sourcing that information to get a bit of a feel for things, but I think that that information has to be taken into context. Now, if the the hit was bad enough that that was the case, then surely Jimmy Webster would have been assessed a concussion test? No. And um, then surely, even if that was the case and the hit was bad enough... He, uh, he would have been subbed out of the game immediately. Mm, no. Well, he was eventually subbed out of the game, but that was more to do with a hit that happened later in the game from his own teammate. 
Now, surely the medical staff, if the medical staff have sent him out there without a concussion test and he's been fine to continue on playing, how could it have been assessed as medium impact? How could they not have done a concussion test? I mean, are they that incompetent or are they just playing stupid? I'm not sure which. And the fact that the AFL bought into it without questioning these things as well, that's just as bad. So, yeah, I can't understand that decision. I couldn't understand the Stephen May decision earlier in the year where he makes a play of the ball and just so happens to, you know, accidentally collect Rockcliffe in the head. This is the thing. They, they want to go on as much as they want about the head being sacrosanct. But accidents happen too, guys. How about you just show a little bit of common sense? And, yeah, I, I just don't know what more to say. The tribunal is a joke. I think that sums it up. The tribunal is a joke. <laughs> <laughs>